Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And we have a very exciting episode of the show today. I think this is almost unprecedented in as much as we have two of my colleagues joining us today. So that makes three uh, esteemed, esteemed The Block employees with Nathan Crooks on the other side of the mic, as well as Christiana, whose last name, I don't know which one I'm going to use for this show. And I don't know if I can pronounce either. You can't pronounce either one. Shiedone. 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 Okay, so we'll go with that. So you guys are interesting. We're here to talk about is Nathan's story about Argentina and sort of the extent to which Bitcoin and crypto has been adopted in that region of the world. The sense is that it, not so much, it hasn't seen too much product market fit despite the sort of volatility of its economy. And then, of course, Christiani, that is where you live. So you can sort of opine a bit about the price of eggs. But before we dive into that and more, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. What's next for digital currency after a brutal 2022? While the core promise of crypto hasn't changed, digital currency is still forming the base layer for a new global commerce infrastructure. From merchants at the point of sale to corporations that want to pay suppliers and even employees more efficiently. Circle has always seen itself as a connector of the traditional world and the new world of digital currency. It's like building houses. What's the foundation and can you get the foundation right? Throughout Q1, I'm happy to host leaders from Circle here on The Scoop to give listeners the chance to hear how one of crypto's most prominent builders is paving the way for digital currency utility. Visit circle.com scoop for more information. This show is sponsored in part by CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. With CleanSpark, you can feel good about investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because CleanSpark uses low-carbon energy for their Bitcoin mining data centers and is always optimizing their operations to increase energy efficiency and reduce e-waste, all while partnering with the communities they operate in. If you want to support the future of Bitcoin while also supporting the environment, visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more about the CleanSpark way. So, Nathan, what made you sort of think about writing a piece? What was the sort of aha moment that made you think you had to do this unique first-person endeavor? The very quick backstory here is I, I spent a large part of my career living in Latin America, Chile and, and Venezuela. I used to go to Argentina all the time when I lived in Chile, and I found myself back there a couple weeks ago, and I had the pleasure of meeting Christiana in person, and we were sitting next to each other in a co-work, and talking about all of the kind of the crazy currency situation that had emerged there, multiple exchange rates. Uh, it was hard to find cash. And, and I said, this feels just like Venezuela felt back in 2013 or 14, when everything started to get really crazy there. And I said, are people using crypto? Because that's a question that I'd been asking. You know, it seemed to me like it was the perfect place. And we both just kind of went, oh, well, we're not sure, but let's look into it. So that was the genesis of it. It started off as more of a question in terms of Argentina seemed to have all of a sudden found itself in this situation that would be perfect for any time you hear someone say, you know, talk about the benefits of crypto, like Argentina right now ticks all of those boxes. So it became more of a question like, why isn't it everywhere? Why are people still waiting in lines to get this worthless fiat currency when there are easier options. And so why isn't it more ubiquitous? What did you discover as you reported this out 
I think my first kind of foray into this, and you know, before I went, I had friends tell me, oh, make sure to bring some US dollars, make sure to bring US dollars. And I was kind of just, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I know this game. You know, in Venezuela at one point, there were four different exchange rates. So I kind of thought, oh, it's not going to be as complicated as everyone is saying it was. And I got there and it was more complicated than I had been expecting. Because when multiple exchange rates come into play, all of a sudden prices aren't what they seem and, you know, you want to get the best price. So I checked into a hotel and I said, where can I get some pesos? They didn't want to change them for me in the hotel, which I thought they might. And she said, why don't you Western Union yourself some money? And I think, Christiana, you had mentioned to me one time that was the easiest way. So I, I did that. I went online and it was actually the best rate. It was over the blue rate. The blue rate is what kind of the unofficial rate, as they call it. And the Western Union rate was better than that. So I wired myself the money. It all worked. And then I go wait in line in the Western Union. And then they tell me, oh, there's actually no cash. So the transfer went through, but they didn't have any currency. I went to another office. I, and same thing happened. Another office, same thing happened. And all the time there, I would see foreign tourists like waiting outside of the Western Unions. And everyone was like checking their phone, looking for another office. It was the same thing. Everyone was looking. So yeah, I started going around asking people, well, what about crypto? What about crypto? And it is being used there. And, and we did find some statistic that it is being used and it is growing, but it's not visible in the streets is what I think kind of the first takeaway was. You know, I live in Miami and I see more kind of Bitcoin logos on store windows here than I saw in Buenos Aires. And so it's being used, but there's this huge problem right now in Argentina of people still need cash and the cash is increasingly worthless. And it's just kind of this bizarre situation where hordes of people are on this hunt for kind of worthless cash. So <laughs> that, that, that's kind of a brief look into it. What companies are operating in Argentina? Uber is here, but... When you order an Uber, often they will ask you if you are paying cash. And if you're not paying cash, they cancel the ride because they have no interest in waiting around to get paid a month later when the currency will have become even weaker. So it can be very hard to get around for that reason. Mm. So, I mean, you have some of the bigger companies here, but it's, it's a huge struggle. I heard through the grapevine that Ombev has had problems getting Budweiser, you know, and Heiser Bush had problems getting aluminum into the country to make the cans. And the winemakers have had trouble getting bottles into the country and, and labels because they just don't have the funds for it. The central bank doesn't want to give them the dollars to pay for the imports. Mm. Did you talk to any maybe corporates or companies about paying suppliers or their distributors vis-a-vis stablecoin? Maybe not necessarily Bitcoin per se, but dollar-backed stablecoin? As part of this, I talked with the owner of a travel agency who kind of specializes in trips for foreigners visiting the country. And she, I think, was really smart in her analysis of what was going on because she herself is kind of a crypto-native person. She trades Bitcoin and Ethereum and stablecoins. So it's kind of in our website to be paid in crypto. She said, I actually want to be paid in crypto. It would save me all the fees I have to pay to PayPal or, or the banks. I also talked to an owner of a winery in Mendoza who said a very similar story. And, and that's to me what was really interesting here is I had two people didn't know each other and they told me very similar stories. And the story was that there was not a business case where they didn't have suppliers who wanted crypto. They didn't have anyone asking about it, but they were buying Bitcoin for their own personal savings. And then 
what was really interesting is they both kind of had a similar criticism of crypto and they both separately complained of, I think one of them called it, you know, all the Ponzi scams, she said, and they both referenced Elon Musk tweets and they said he tweets about, you know, Dogecoin and the markets go up or down. And so their complaint was complaining just about the nature of, it's almost as if crypto has kind of a PR problem. Everyone gets the use case, but these people were very aware of kind of scams that had happened in the past or the volatility that comes up when someone tweets or says something and they were very suspicious. And the owner of the travel agency said, you know, we want stable money. And that's something that Argentina has not had. It's not been common throughout its history. People have tended to use U.S. dollars as a measure of just for their savings. But now the U.S. dollar, when you see inflation six, seven, eight percent, you know, it's not being viewed as stable as it once was either. So they both kind of really talked about the need for a stable way to preserve savings that crypto can offer. But they were also being turned off by a lot of the chatter and volatility. The core promise of crypto hasn't changed. Stable coins can bring faster payments at internet scale, from merchants at the point of sale to corporations that want to pay suppliers or even employees more efficiently. Circle has always seen itself as a connector of the traditional world and the new world of digital currency. USDC is more than just a stable coin. USDC is also an open source platform. When our transactions are actually final and you can't change them anymore, that's another great quality property of cash because when you switch his hand, it's fine. Right? Can you digitize all those good quality properties and bring that in a digital form? USDC by Circle is at the forefront of this innovation. And that's why The Scoop is partnering with the folks at Circle to tell you guys why and how our industry is moving. A lot of us who have built USDC, myself included and Jeremy included, we are technologists. So we approach this problem from a technology point of view. Visit circle.com scoop for more information. Here's a message from our sponsor, CleanSpark. CleanSpark is a NASDAQ-listed company that mines Bitcoin. Basically, they build and operate data centers with tens of thousands of computers that help secure Bitcoin, making it more reliable and secure for anybody, anywhere to use. These computers require a lot of energy, but that's why CleanSpark predominantly uses low-carbon energy to power their machines. But that's not all. They care about the communities where their data centers are located. They create jobs, donate to schools and community centers, and revitalize aging electricity grids in rural parts of America. They aren't just a Bitcoin miner. They're one of the most efficient and sustainable Bitcoin miners in America. Visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more. It's interesting. So, I mean, Christian, maybe you can share your own personal sort of situation to the extent that you feel comfortable I remember I was asking you why you don't, because you get paid, I think, in dollars, and then you have to get it over to Argentina yep. through different, you know, antiquated sort of banking rails. How do we get you over the Rubicon? You know, I've tried signing up for several different services to do, you know, my exchange variety of crypto. And I don't know why, but the KYC thing doesn't work for me. They don't acknowledge mm. me. My ID is not good enough quality, which... My Argentine ID is truly not good enough quality. It looks fake. But I haven't been able to get past that part in order to do it. And also, Western Union has great rates. So while they do charge you a hefty fee, it's very convenient. And I don't actually have to wait in the, you know, the Western Union line for cash. It goes straight to my local bank account. So for me, that kind of works out pretty easily. But yeah, you know, a lot of people do use 
Bitcoin and stable coins for FX, it's much, much cheaper for them. And I think that's the biggest use case in Argentina and also in Venezuela, as opposed to like Brazil, which they see, you know, alternative currencies like this as a alternative investment, as opposed to moving money around. But I will tell you, weeks ago, I, I bought a cell phone for my daughter here. Exchange rate was at 380. So I paid $535 for a Samsung A54. It's selling for a 400 in the States. The exchange rate today is reaching 500. And so that phone is now worth $400. And I'm paying in a six month installment. So essentially, I'm going to end up paying less for the phone than I probably would have been able to buy it in the United States. And that's kind of the bizarre world that we live in. I think all these multiple exchange rates, when they start to affect your daily life, people really learn really fast about what money is and they become very familiar with the time element of money. It's not something you think about if you're used to a somewhat stable dollar. I talked to one of the exchanges, Bitso. It's a kind of a, a Latin American focused exchange. And you know they said that they've seen demand for stable coins growing exponentially, they said. We looked at some of the data, which was kind of interesting, and it's in the story. We did a nice chart that shows their volume in Bitcoin declining while trading between USD stablecoins and pesos increasing. So it does seem to be that Argentines really like the stability of the stablecoins. And, you know, they told me, unfortunately, I'll have to go back to try it next time. But, you know, I asked them, had I had you know, if it's a wallet and connected it, would I have been able to use it for retail purchases? And they said, yeah, no problem. Because you see a lot in Argentina, when you go to pay, you see QR codes everywhere. And they have a direct pathway into the Argentine banking system for these QR codes and in the app. And, you know, you pay in pesos and it comes out of your account in stable coins. And they said that they have, it's called the crypto dollar rate, which is close to the blue rate, they said. And so, yeah, next time I'm back, I'll get the chance to try that. I did notice a lot of people talking about Binance. And I think, Christiana, you saw a Binance-themed cafe somewhere in, in a mall in Buenos Aires. So we did look, MasterCard and Binance last year launched kind of a prepaid debit card that allows people to spend and it comes out of their stablecoin balance. And then Binance last month came out and said that they activated kind of on and off ramps for pesos. So, you know, there are companies there. Volume does seem to be increasing, but it's still kind of maybe behind the scenes a little bit in, in terms of still not kind of visible everywhere. The minimum wage here changed on April 1st to 87,000 pesos, which is about $213 at the blue rate. It's a monthly rate. Jeez. Three weeks later, it is at $165. So, you know, as a foreigner and bringing in U.S. dollars, it's very favorable for me. And it's devastating, devastating for locals who earn in pesos, who watch every day as they lose money. You know, maybe we're getting to the point where cryptocurrency really has a place. You know, they start seeing it because I mean, look at Bitcoin over the last three weeks and then look at this exchange rate over the last three weeks. It screams. The situation is just, it can't continue the way it has been. You know, I should say another pretext to this is I have a friend in Buenos Aires and she was taking me around and I asked her, what about crypto? And she said, no, you need cash everywhere. And so the Western Union wasn't working. And she takes me into what's called a cueva, means cave in English. And it's where you do the black market transfers. And we were literally just walking down this random Buenos Aires street and she hits a buzzer and it's like this big door 
and it just buzzes and she's like, come on in and it's dark. And I, you know, I just followed her in because I, I trusted her, but I, I didn't know where we were. And it was this little, no bigger than a tiny little closet. And she says, here, sit here. And it's four chairs. It looks like a hospital waiting room chairs. And she ducks around a little corner and I peeked over and there's this guy behind a window with stacks of money and she changed it. So it's hard to change money. And, and that's when I said, what about crypto? This is crazy. Like, and she's like, no, here you need cash. And the same thing I told her, I told Christiana, I was like, you don't want to be Venezuela in the year 2014 because it mm. just goes down from there. And, and talking about minimum wage in Venezuela, I used to kind of calculate a weekly grocery spend and how many minimum wages I would spend. And so I think foreigners, when they're going through this, it feels like you're getting wealthier because everything's getting cheaper. But what's really happening is the people in that country are getting poorer by the day when the inflation really gets to kick in. And back in Venezuela, then there was always kind of talk of crypto as a solution, you know, and there were people there doing it and mining and there, there was some action. But there were things in Venezuela at the time that really were preventing crypto from taking off. Mainly, it was not safe to use your cell phone in the street. You know, you could get easily killed for it. And and the internet would cut out when it rained and just all this crazy stuff. And, you know, luckily, that's not really an issue in Buenos Aires today, which is kind of another reason why it, on surface, it seems like all the conditions for adoption should exist. But when hyperinflationary periods come, people are really going to be looking to protect their savings. And and dollars ne aren't necessarily the best way to do it. Mm. Did Bitsell or any other crypto companies give you a sense of how they can capitalize or expand their business in these regions? I mean, in Argentina specifically, that's experiencing this type of monetary instability? A theme I heard very frequently was the need for education. Like, you know, and you hear that in in crypto everywhere, you know, they, people talk about a UX issue and it's not as straightforward as maybe some other banking apps are, but that's a theme that did come out a lot was the need to educate people about the product, how it works, to show people that it works. And so people understand what a stable coin is versus what Bitcoin is. So I think there is kind of widespread understanding that more needs to be done on that front. Interesting. So what do you guys anticipate next? What should we be watching? Complete devaluation of the currency. It's hard to say there's an election later this year. There's no possible silver lining. Hard to see one. What do people do? They mostly just use dollars. No, you have to have pesos. That's the thing. I mean, if you're buying a house, yeah. you walk up with you know $400,000 in cash, US dollars, yes. But for day-to-day -day stuff, it's all in pesos. Mm. That's another reason why I think, especially for the story and for the crypto industry, it kind of the thought in the back of my head was, and especially as I was waiting in the line or like, what am I doing ducking into a little corner to get some pesos? And you have to carry around a lot of bills now to buy anything. So it's inconvenient. And once again, I keep getting back to this sense that this is the perfect place where crypto should be taking off. And if you can't make it work in Argentina, like, I don't know when you're going to have kind of the set of perfect circumstances that should be making it work. So I, I think it's something that is really worth paying attention to. Like, why isn't it more prevalent? Because I said there is data that shows it is being used more. But I, I think if people can really think about how to kind of, you know, what it would take to really get it going, you know, I think there's lessons to be learned that could be applied elsewhere. It's probably a mix of reputational hurdles and then just UX, UI. I mean... 
Because at the end of the day, even if you set up a wallet, you can receive Bitcoin all you want, but you still have to get cash in there to then buy it on exchange or through a neobank type company. We shall see. And I think an interesting thing to watch is that at what point, because back in Venezuela, you know, the things we had to do to get boulevards was very complicated as well. And I always kept wondering, like, I would keep, you know, 10 bucks in my pocket if I needed it, but no one in the streets wanted U.S. dollars. It was very weird. Mm. The currency was worthless. They didn't want dollars in cash because I guess they don't know if, you know, they think it might be fake or something. But there did come a point years later when they finally didn't want boulevards anymore and they want cash. That might be one thing I would watch in Argentina is, is there going to come a point when people, like on a day-to-day basis, do not want pesos? And then the question is, like, what do they want? Do they want U.S. dollars? Which can be hard to get it because you're going to have to get the cash. You're going to have to change in a cueva. You know, you can't just go to a bank and get them out. So if it could become easy enough, like right now, to use your stable coins or Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, it seems like it could be an interesting time period if it gets to the point where people don't want pesos anymore because mm. they're going to want something else. So what's it going to be? Well said. Well, thank you guys both so much for joining the show. Where can we find you folks? Where can we find the story? The block.co. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And the scoop will be back for you again with another great guest soon. Have a great day.